This is the Foundation Station with Bishop Clarence Harris, where we discuss apologetics without apology. The creator of the world has established everything with his might and wisdom. As a matter of fact, God is so wise that the prophet Isaiah says that when he needed someone to consult, he consulted himself. For who is wiser than the all-knowing, all-wise God, who's everywhere, knows everything, and also is in everything? For the Lord, our Creator, has established everything by His Word, and He has laid the heavens and the universe, and they were created out of things that did not even exist. In the Scriptures, beyond any shadow of a doubt, God has set everything in order, divine order, and in his church, before he even established it, we, we discover by the writings of the apostles that he, our chief apostle, he first made himself an apostle in Hebrews 3.1. He's the ultimate prophet, ultimate prophet, because in the book of Revelation 19.10, he it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 11, we discover there that the spirit of Christ was working in Moses. It was in Elijah. It was in Zephaniah. It was in Zechariah. It was in Jonah. The spirit of Christ specifically is named the Holy Ghost was working in all of them, speaking of things which were to come, things that will be revealed prophetic things in the future because Christ gave the script and my God, he came and then fulfilled the script. He's the ultimate prophet because he gave his anointing to his prophets who are eyes, who are ears, and they're the mouthpiece of God to his people. He's the chief apostle. He's the ultimate prophet. He's also the master teacher. In 1 John 2, 27, the Holy Ghost. In John chapter 14, the Holy Ghost will teach you and lead you and guide you into all truths. He's also called the Comforter. He's the master teacher. He's the chief apostle. He's the ultimate prophet. He's the ultimate evangelist. Because by his spoken word, the waves, the sea, and the winds obey him. Miracles are performed. Power is made manifest. He's the ultimate evangelist. He speaks to the devils and they fall at his feet. He say, cast devils out of individuals and the wretched and crying, they seek to go even in swine. He's the ultimate evangelist because he shows up, everything changes. The atmosphere changes. The winds change directions because Jesus is on the throne. He is number one, the chief apostle. Number two, he is a prophet. Number three, he is a teacher. Number four, he's an evangelist. Number five, Christ is a shepherd. He's the pastor. Number six, he's the bishop of our souls. Number seven, he's the compassionate deacon. Number eight, he's the eternal high priest. Number nine, he's the king of kings. He's the king. And number 10, he's the ultimate judge. You see, Christ, before he predicated and left and dispense these anointings unto men, he first identified himself as the ultimate in each of these. And then that anointing of himself, as he poured out through his apostles and members of his body, he manifests himself in a mighty way. Because he, the chief shepherd 
as we see in 1 Peter 5, 4 and John chapter 10, he says, as the chief shepherd, my sheep hear my voice. Number six, as the bishop of our souls, he's the bishop, which is one of the sevenfold ministry as well, as I mentioned previously. Because when you add the deacon and the bishop to the apostles, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, and the pastor, you have a sevenfold ministry. And this is how the first church function under a sevenfold ministry. If you say that apostles don't exist today, if you say that preachers, well, or shall I say, uh, we'll say prophets don't exist, um, then the others don't exist either. You cannot cherry pick and decide which ones you want to choose for your organizational structure. It's the Holy Ghost that qualifies, anoint, appoints, and also rectify this situation in heaven and on earth. And men may appoint anyone to an office, but only Jesus Christ can confirm that office. You see, no man can baptize with the Holy Ghost. Only Jesus can. And that's why almost all major denominations found throughout Christianity reject the baptism of the Holy Ghost, reject the evidence of speaking in tongues, and the Spirit give utterance because it's a supernatural event and men cannot replicate it, men cannot duplicate it because men have not the power. And that was one in the book of Acts chapter 81 to buy the power, Simon the sorcerer. And Peter and John came down to lay hands on those in Samaria who Philip had preached to, who had already been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, but had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They have received Christ, been baptized in water by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ, but had not yet received the Holy Ghost. When Peter and John came down and laid hands on them, they did receive the Holy Ghost. And Simon wanted to buy their power. You see, people today have the titles. They put themselves in the titles. As in Jeremiah chapter 23, men have ran, pastors have ran, they went, but they were never sent. They sent themselves. They went by themselves. God never appointed them. God never chose them. The organization appointed them. They sent by the organizations, but not by God. What many pastors have, unfortunately, to the detriment and the demise of millions in the church world today and throughout history, they were appointed by their organizational leaders under their unorthodox and illegitimately established practices to appoint men to promote their denominational doctrine. But they went and they were sent by men, but not by Jesus Christ. For the offices that they went under, they were not qualified for. They were not anointed by Christ to fulfill those offices. Offices such as maybe Jesuits, a Pope, reverends, and other titles that are given in the church world today are not established in the Bible. Cardinals, we have altar boys, stewards, lay ministers, superintendents, nuns, calling leaders or church priests, fathers, patriarchs. All these are titles, most right reverend. Men have been commissioned by men and appointed by men, but not by God thus substituting the will of God for their own and damning the souls of men who religiously serve, but in vain 
They worship him, Jesus Christ, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. And so because of these things, individuals today have embarked in leadership capacity, being pimped by world and religious leaders, but never doing the will of God. And it's such a tragedy because the book of Zechariah, chapter 11, verse 4, the Lord says, feed the flock of the slaughter. Why? Feed the flock of the slaughter? Zechariah? What are you talking about? Feed the flock of the slaughter. The scriptures say, who possesses, slay them and hold themselves not guilty. And they seldom say, blessed be the Lord, for I am rich and the shepherds pity them not. These religious leaders, these leaders of the Nicolaitan order, these clergy members set up this system of divide and conquer. And by doing this here, they have no pity upon God's people. Why? Because in verse 6 of Zechariah, as Lord prophesied of these days, he says, For I, I will no more pity the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. But lo, I will deliver the men, everyone, into his neighbor's hand, into the hands of the kings. And in other words, how they go, the enemy shall come in, the devils, they come in and devour and smite God's people. They strengthen the hands of the wicked one, they strengthen the hands of the devil, but God's people, the flock, are left unprotected. And, and, and the leaders don't care nothing about their souls. They want to use them and pimp them for their own purposes. That's why we must look at biblical qualifications Biblical examples of leadership and the sevenfold ministry, not substitutes. Because Christ established all these offices, as I said before, he's the bishop of our souls. All right. He's a compassionate deacon. He first established the first deacons, but actually the deacons in the Old Testament, as Jesus' brother points out, what is dear to God's heart? James, Jesus' brother, says in James 1.27, what's God dear to God's heart? They take care of the widows of their affliction and take care of the fatherless. The deacons was appointed in Acts chapter 6 to take care of this purpose. A carryover from the Old Testament law. Compassion in his house for the widows, the fatherless, and those in need. He's our high priest. We are called in the book of Revelation chapter 1 and also chapter 5 as priests and kings before our God. Keys and Priests and kings. As priests and kings, Christ is the ultimate priest. He is our high priest. He also became our sacrifice. We are also called to be kings, as I just mentioned. But Jesus is, again, the king of kings, as stated in 1 Timothy 6.15. He is also the judge because in John chapter 12, Jesus says that, he says, I, I, he didn't, first time he came, he didn't come to judge the world. But through him, the world might be saved. And so, what has happened? But he said that the words that have spoken, the same said, judge you or me and all of us in the last day. The words he has spoken. So it behooves us to see what words he has spoken himself and through the mouths of his holy apostles. So, unequivocally, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37, to the Corinthian church, if any man think himself to be a prophet, or if any man think himself to even be spiritual, he said, acknowledge this. He said that the things that I say unto you are the commandments of the Lord. They're not optional. And so men today have perverted their offices. They perverted the church 
And that's why the Lord is coming to clean his house in these last days. So what are the qualifications, you know, for each of the sevenfold ministry? Here they are. All right. Number one, the apostles. They must walk in the revelatory gifts. The gifts of the spirit are found, of course, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. They must also walk in the fruit of the spirit. They're found in Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22 and 23. And so what we have is the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit because it's only one Spirit and all nine fruit of the Spirit come from the one, from the one God. There are nine gifts of the Spirit. And let me share with you which gifts accompany each of the various offices. So you will know if the person is a false this, a false apostle, a false prophet, or a false teacher. Number one, the apostles. They walk in the revelatory gifts. The revelatory gifts, of course, are very explicit. And what are they? The gift of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of discernment of spirits. They also walk in the power gifts. The power gifts, the gifts of faith, the gift of healing, and the gift of the working of miracles. Also, they walk in the utterance gifts. That's tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. The prophets, their qualification is they, like the apostle, do walk in the revelatory gifts. But their revelatory gifts primarily function in the area of dreams and visions. They also work in the power gifts, performing miracles. Also, the gifts of prophecy. Hence, they are prophets. The evangelists, the evangelists, they walk in the power gifts. They are the foot soldiers. Their job, like Philip in Acts chapter 8, the evangelist is to go into the city and take the whole city. That's what Philip did, one man. The power gifts, signs and wonders and miracles. And the word of knowledge to reveal the name of the devils and things that may be possessing and oppressing the people. So the evangelists walk in the power and the gifts of the gift of the word of knowledge. The teacher, the teachers, they walk in the revelatory gifts and the utterance gifts. The teachers, the teachers, like the apostles, are foundation layers. If you notice, in the first Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, Paul gave you the order of authority in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, one, two, three. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. He gives you order. You'll notice that in that verse, the apostles, in essence, they um, and the teacher are like the two outer loaves of a piece of bread, and the prophet is in the middle. The apostles and teachers are foundation layers in doctrine, 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 everything, the spirit of truth. God is truth. God cannot lie. You cannot have lying doctrines and say that you're in the truth. And so the apostles... And the teachers are the two most important offices in the church to keep the church pure from false teachings and lies of the father, from the father of lies, the devil. And so the prophet is in the middle, sandwiched between them, because they're second. They're the eyes, the ears, and the mouthpiece of God. But even though they may receive revelation and dreams, it doesn't mean they understand it. The teachers and the apostles, they take the prophetic words and they reveal what God is saying. They interpret the prophecies of the prophet. 
And that's what the apostle Paul did in Galatians chapter one, verses 10 through 12, when they say he did not be, he was not taught of any man, but by revelation of the Holy Ghost. And when he came down, he was agreeing and saying the exact same thing that the apostles that were before him, what they were teaching and taught them 10 times more things than they ever knew. Because he was a master of the law and three years went by where Jesus taught him by the Holy Ghost, his precepts. The office of a pastor, they walk in revelatory gifts and helps. The pastors, of course, they're like the um, the, the parents, the, the nurturer. They got to babysit. They got to help people grow up. They're the ones that don't move. They don't go anywhere. They help, they help with the local assembly. All right. They're the ministry of helps and to keep things in, in order flowing with the gifts as Paul gave a total outline how the church should function in 1 Corinthians 14 and that outline how things should flow in a service when the saint get together in what is called body ministry. Body ministry. When God bring the gifts of the spirit and everybody in the body come together and they bring their gifts to the table and Lord ministers prophetically. He ministered with tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy and that's how a church service should flow. That's what and how it should go, according to 1 Corinthians 14. The office of the bishop is a, uh, his office is also generally being a senior pastor. His office is characterized by the fruit because the office of the bishop and of the deacon, of course, is a fruit bearing ministry. The bishop and the deacon are selected by the members from the congregation. One who desires the office of a bishop, in other words, it's a desired office but is also pre-qualified by the revelatory gifts and helps ministry like the pastor. And the deacon, the deacon is there for taking care of the needs and necessities of the saints, especially those who are the widows and the fatherless and help those in charity to assist them who are afflicted and those who need help in the ministry. And we have several examples of that. We'll maybe look at a later date, but Philip was an evangelist. He was also a deacon. Philip the evangelist was also a deacon. And he had four daughters, which told in Acts chapter 22, who did prophesy. His daughters had the gift of prophecy. They were not prophetess. They simply had the gift of prophecy. So these seven gifts of these seven ministry gifts, the sevenfold ministry was established by Christ. He fulfilled all these here. And today, so there will be no confusion how all of these work together, they are all complementary because the evangelists do not do their work in-house. The evangelists, their job is to go out-house and preach the gospel and bring the converse in so the pastor, the pastor can nurture, scale and get the scales off, kind of get them cleaned up and teach them the doctrines to overcome their worldly attitudes, to put on the mind of Christ, the pastor, the teacher, is to support the pastor. The teacher is to support all the others and the prophet to keep them in line as well in doctrine. And the apostle works with all of them and appoint these other positions, elders throughout the cities like the apostle Paul did and train and nurture them. For Paul, in essence, if you look at his ministry, actually functioned in all six other categories other than the apostle. As the apostle, he was a prophet, a teacher, an evangelist, a pastor, a bishop, and a deacon. 
They will stay in cities for periods at a time, set up ministries, appoint elders throughout the Greek world in Greece, throughout the Rome world in Rome and Italy, and throughout the Roman Empire, even in Asia Minor in Africa and the Middle East, the Apostle Paul as apostle to the Gentiles. All these officers work together for the necessity of the saints. And what is that necessity? For as I conclude and we look at Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 11, for it says he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. In other words, these seven offices are complementary for specific tasks to mature and perfect the saints, to equip them for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, that we be edified and encouraged and built up. Ephesians 4.13 Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The apostles and teachers keep us in unity and doctrine so there be no divisions amongst us. There should be no divisions in the church by Paul's command in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. It said, let there be no divisions among you. Be of the same mind and the same judgment and all speak the same thing. The perfect man, we're told in Ephesians 4, 13, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, until we become full adults, until the fullness of Christ as we grow up. Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth or no more be like children, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the sly of men and cunning craftings whereby they lie wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, remember the truth, the spirit of truth, that we may grow up, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, the head of his church, Christ, manifests himself through his body, through the sevenfold ministry, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And finally, from whom the whole body, body fitly framed together and compacted by that which were every joint supplied according to the effectual working and the measure of every part. In other words, each of us supplying the needs that we need as we pour out of ourselves, others pour into us. And this is how the living waters flow in the body of Christ. The anointing, the power of God flows in his body by the living water and the gifts of the spirit. For out of your belly shall flow living waters. And this is what Jesus spoke about even at the woman at the well. For you drink this water, you'll thirst again. But the water I will give you, you will never thirst. So here you have it. The sevenfold minutes of God supplying the needs to the body. And all the other men needs in Romans chapter 12, they minister the helps. As you help one another in the all of other capacities, every member, everybody contributing something to the whole that we will grow up into the, to the fullness of Christ unto a perfect man and that he will indeed be our head our Lord, our Savior, and our Christ. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and automatically receive our next teaching on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast platform. The Foundation Station with Bishop Clarence Harris is made possible by the support of listeners like you. If you'd like to bless this ministry with an offering, please do so via the Cash App by searching Hashtag Foundation Station. That's dollar sign Foundation Station. Thank you and God bless.